Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey guys, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and today we are talking to Monique who is one of uh, my friends, my stable hand, my student, <laughs> the only person that I trust to look after my animals, <laughs> and Finn. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you today with Monique. Uh, she's been hanging out with me for a while. We did, figured out eight years yeah. um, of training together. My longest relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so I just wanted to get Monique to share a different perspective of life with horses, um, having her own horse and being one of my stable hands down at the school and how, you know, the last year I went for her learning how to work with multiple mm. horses and build connections and relationships with multiple horses, as well as Monique has, um, had to do some of my support with the students as well so understanding how horse handling needs to change a little mm. bit when you're not the only one that's handling yeah. them. <laughs> the learning curve <laughs> making sure that our horses are safe for our students and less experienced handlers so uh, Monique is also been doing some dog training uh, and she has her own business called Sit Pretty Training which we're going to link to the show notes so that you can go over and give her a follow and check her out on socials as, as well because she's doing some pretty awesome work with dogs. Um, so to get stuck into today, would you like to <laughs> tell us a little bit about your journey so far? Yeah, so um, I started riding probably when I was 15 on and off and then I started volunteering my pony club because I was too poor to <laughs> afford lessons um, and I felt like I had a lot of knowledge and experience trying to um, like dealing with different horses and so I decided like to bite the bullet and get my own horse. <laughs> Um, and so I ended up rescuing a standard bread, um, from a place in Armadale and I went down there and I was like, this is the ugliest horse I've ever met. And I took a friend of mine and my mum down there and the only saving grace was they said, well, if in six months he doesn't work out, send him back. It's been the longest six months of my life. <laughs> it's like eight years. <laughs> it's like eight years later, I'm still like trying to see if I'll give him back. Um, 
Yeah, um, so yeah, basically we got him and he just based like, so I bought him as a beginner's trail horse. He was marketed as extremely safe and um, stuff like that. And then we got him home, fed him up and he just went feral. <laughs> it was quite, excuse oh, me, yeah. malnourished when you got him. Yes, he could barely stand. We actually had to buy another girth when we tried him out that was a pony's girth. And it's actually half the it's actually half the like length of his actual girth now. And we had that done up with still room to spare. That's how Ew. skinny he was. Yeah, he was extremely skinny. He couldn't walk a 20 meter circle. He'd be out of breath. Um, all of these are great signs when purchasing a horse, you know, fantastic. <laughs> Forget a vet check, you know. Um, and yeah, we got him home and basically fed him up and then we started to notice like little personality quirks um <laughs> which was like fine in the beginning I like feel like I had enough like compared to now like it was nothing but like back then I like knew enough about I guess like body language and stuff to realize like when he'd had enough of me and stuff like that um but as he got like fitter and like more athletic he just changed um and obviously was like sold to me as broken or adopted out to me as like a broken in horse and we would sit on him and he like never did anything to me but my friend would sit on him and he would just like refuse to move or when he did move it was like in a big way um and so then he started What's an example of a big way oh like he would just jump off <laughs> like he would just like go from like standing still and then my friend would just flog him because that's how we were taught you know is like there's no um there's no increase in pressure. Basically, it was it would go from, you know, ask and don't even give time to think, just flog. And so she would get on him, ask. He wouldn't have time to think. She'd just flog him and he'd stand there and think about it. And then he'd just like run forward or um, something like, you know, jump or whatever. He, I, he couldn't buck like he's so broken physically <laughs> that he couldn't buck um, because if he did the six months would have ended I think a long ago but because his body was so broken um you could get by by thinking like oh he's not that bad um and then I got a vet involved and the chiropractor involved and then my old instructor so we did like a little bit of body work and then was working on his physical fitness in the round pen and he started to charge me and that was when it got really like hectic was he would like start to try and charge me in the round pen I'd apply pressure and he'd just like come in and like with out for blood basically and so my old instructor um so just for a bit of background I why I liked horses came from like watching the connection between actors and horses in films but particularly like the Liberty stuff and from like the circus watching Liberty so I never like came into this with like grand dreams of riding. I always came in with the thing of like, if I was in a war and I got bucked off, this horse would like come and save me or, you know, like this like lassie, but it's a horse. Um, so I never really like cared for the riding, but um, I like felt like I'd gotten it to this place where I could like whistle and he'd come running. And, and then it was like, well, he'd just keep running and just running straight over the top of me. Um, and so my old instructor who was like quite old school, she then said to me, well, the only way to stop that is to like take the lunge whip and like just cop him in the face with it. And it really, it did upset me. And I remember arguing with her and going like, but you know, this is not how, how, how I would choose to deal with this. And she's like, well, at the end of the day, if it comes down to like you 
um, living and surviving and him getting like a flick in the face with the lunge whip, which is like better, you know, you being dead or him, you know, getting hurt. And so that was like the first time I met you, um, was you're in the arena with like Snip and Emma, I think having a lesson and he like came into me. So I was like, right, smacked him in the face and it just made him more angry. And I think I remember you just came over and you were like, get out. That horse hates you. Like get out of that round pen goodbye and just went back to your lesson so I took him back up and then I think I emailed you like I had a chat to Emma and she's like I'll get Katie to work with him and um emailed you and I was like I'm really struggling with the rise trot like I just <laughs> yeah, it, was on, it was on the phone I remember oh, conversation well because my, my first year I was like all right all I need to do for Monique is get her rising trot to stand and bread and you were really struggling with establishing your rising trot and you just wanted some help and I was like oh yeah you know so standard bread they are hard to do a rising trot on they will just get in trotting and no No. (laughs) yeah I remember like our first lesson um I was like you said to me I've never seen a horse hate somebody as much as this horse hates you like it was so brutal and like obviously having rescued him and like (laughs) brought him up from like death like he just wanted to die when I met him was like quite a hard thing to swallow because I was like all I've done is love you you know (laughs) like why do you hate me um so yeah and then like basically realized he hadn't been broken in he was also broken in his body Mm-hmm. Um, so we basically had to strip back all of our training to like zero. Yeah. So it's, it is hard in these situations to know exactly what has happened to the horses. But, you know, we can um, understand the industry enough to like put some pieces together into what his experience might have been that's going to um, result in these certain behaviours. So obviously very protective of himself mm-hmm. and you know, when we look at his personality quadrant, he sits into that aggressive um, personality type like Fiddy does where if he feels threatened or unsafe, he's going to come at you rather than run away from you. Um, so we can assume that he's had an injury in his racing career that has resulted in him probably that's why he's finished his career and been moved on malnourished instability in homes generally in that racing industry they don't build a connection with the horses so the horses are just you know used as a tool for an outcome so they don't have a good horse human relationship when we get them post racing and we can also assume that generally there's going to be some dysfunction in in the weaning in the backing process and all of those kinds of things which build on top of each other to create a horse that lacks faith, confidence and trust in humans, um, that feels unsafe and insecure and with this particular personality type that results in them attacking us, attacking the threat in this moment, we are the threat because we're the ones applying the pressure. Yes. It didn't help either that the person who, so bit of background on his background is that um he was adopted from I don't know how they did this because he ad- he was adopted out to her as a stallion he was adopted out to a teenage girl who just like got fed up with him and just opened the gate one day and said goodbye and for two years 
he was like wandering around on his own so he was his own Mm. person so when we got him essentially like the only thing that sort of passed him off as a beginner's horse was the fact that he literally could barely stand let alone carry you know 90 kilos on his back so um like then we like realized we were working with like more of a wild pony than probably I first anticipated um yeah and that he'd been freshly gelded which was other more information that they didn't and I took him to a stud farm so <laughs> so just set ourselves up to win from the get-go yeah like, there's definitely lots of big lessons to learn in purchasing your first horse. Yes. Yeah. Forget everything else. Yeah. Write a book on that. Yeah. <laughs> One not to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely not what you would consider a first horse, but was, you know, probably ticking the boxes. Like, standard breads do get a good rap for their personality mm. type. They generally are like not as flighty and highly strong and a little bit more trainable and intelligent than maybe say like a thoroughbred um they they get like a bit better reputation for their ability to look after humans so a lot of standard breads do come fresh off the track and just get rehomed straight into beginner homes because they do have more of the personality to cope with beginners but um yeah if you like take into multiple pull factors where he is more on that assertive level he was malnourished and so you don't get a true reflection of what his you know potential is when he's too malnourished to actually function so um and then also you like see horses in that situation and you're just like i just need to get them out like i don't like this doesn't need to be my horse but i just need this horse to be out of this situation. I think that was like a big part of us because I really wasn't ecstatic about bringing him home. I was like literally the whole way home, I was like fighting everyone in the car. Like this was a stupid thing that we did. And it was actually one of my friends who was like, well, if you don't like him, I want him. And then it was that competitive thing of, well, if she sees something in him, then like, he's got to be good. Um, But she probably had just as little like experience or knowledge as at that time as I did um so yeah there was a bit of that like I think I adopted him with the thing of I'm not keeping him this is not a long-term you know thing but then you do that work in the beginning and like in the beginning I sort of which sounds terrible but when he was aggressive towards other things that wasn't me I sort of felt a little bit like (laughs) special which is terrible it was only when he started to direct that like savage energy to me then it was like I'm not enjoying this anymore like that stallion behavior of like don't touch my human is no longer (laughs) acceptable when you know (laughs) so that was like a little bit of a of a thing there it's like red flag (laughs) so aside from um like scooting off when when ridden what kinds of behaviors were you seeing when you first got him that was making you scared of him I, because I'm not a confident rider, and see, the thing was, it wasn't necessarily that I was scared of him, it was just like he'd pick stupid moments to do things, like I remember I'd have no issue, and then we'd be walking up the driveway in um, the first place that I adjusted him at, she had young kids, and one of the kids would just walk past, and so he'd just rear, and then it's like, well, <laughs> why, there's no, like, you know them, so I was like, just, I think it was a build-up of frustration, 
of like you're just not submitting when like when you're in the round pen be an idiot and then it wasn't until like literally that was the only time been scared of him was that day where he just charged at me because he'd never done that before um it was like after when like for instance I had one this was when Hendra was a thing um I had one instance where um the lady who owned that property at the time went away and she said oh can you look after the horses and I came home from I came back to her place from work and I thought great I'm gonna feed um I'm gonna feed all of the other horses on the property and then I'll have all the time in the world to like play with him and brush him and so I fed everybody and then I by the time I got down to the paddock he was just feral like I mean foaming at the mouth it took me half an hour to get him from his paddock to the tie-ups and then by this stage a storm was coming through and I rang my vet and I was like Janine you know he's got Hendra because like rabies is the only explanation for this behavior I've never seen a horse you know like react this way in my life and we had some Arab we had an Arab foal at that time on the property and she was nowhere near this bad and like it was so bad I couldn't get his um halter off of him I couldn't even get into his yard to feed him and then that was when I was like truly scarred and she came out and she's like because he was trying to like strike at me and bite me and anytime so like part of it was part of the training back then was the dominant horse moves his feet the least so like if he's being a turd lunge him around and get him to move his feet and so he would like go but as soon as he'd get enough around he'd just strike out and so I was like this is not working and I don't know I think I dropped the lead rope and he ran into his yard but yeah that was like for me probably the worst and I was like I'm sort of done with you now like I don't like I was too he wouldn't even let me like get an arm in like to feed him nothing he was like out and then she said to me oh well, what can you talk to me about the lead up because there's no Hendra this isn't Hendra this is like extreme aggression and then I was like well I fed everybody else and she's like well that was your <laughs> mistake was that I fed everybody else on the property and that he was the dominant in even though he's a gelding he was the dominant stallion of the property and he needed to eat first and in my mind, I was just like, I wanted to spend more time with him and get all the chores out of the way. And so then I had to, you know, you learn and you give him a biscuit of hay whilst you feed everybody else and like feed his ego that way. But, you know, you learn. But yeah, that was probably when I was the most like not being able to lead him up that night and like having him that was I've never seen extra and I don't think I've seen it since like even with Rocco which is the second most aggressive horse I've dealt with I've never seen it at that level that was like mild compared to that day so yeah like, <laughs> that was like the time when I was like oh I need but <laughs> I think you were already working with us by then but I was like we just I, I don't know we can fix this horse I don't know <laughs> I think the boat has sailed on your brain <laughs> So obviously you still have him eight years yeah. <laughs> Still working with him. Um, some of some of the things is being obviously maturing. Yeah. Maturity. We we have seen, I think maybe a couple of years ago, we were like, oh, his brain has just kicked in and he's mature. Yes. And some of it has been the stability of you like just having you as his constant in his life um so talk to us a little bit about where you have like felt conflicted in 
how you should be working with him and where you have used more connection based um trainings to to build (laughs) that relationship and that friendship so you know you talk it talk to it a little bit there with you know recognizing things like the aggression happened because the other horses got fed yeah so just you know getting to know your horse is not about you know telling them what to do and them doing it and being able to make them do it and whatnot it's about there's there's a a level of compromise where you learn their their things like yeah and their things are their personality and their their unique traits that you can't just say you know our we can't we can't change out who our horse is so you have to get to know who your horse is to meet their needs and then you can adapt what you're doing to suit your horse's needs yeah so I feel like part of the the biggest thing that I probably learned from like working with you and it was sort of good I think for me like I'll always be like and I think that's why he's still still sticking with him is because we had to strip it right back and I think for me the biggest thing that I learned was like when you explained to us at first like the oh my god words um the escalation of pressure so I grew up in a family that basically like one of my parents would be like, take out the garbage. And the same as the writing school, not even give you an opportunity to think about it. If you weren't like, you couldn't even put a pencil down if you're doing homework, they'd be screaming at you and like threatening the wooden spoon. You know, why haven't you done it? Um, And so then the place, the first stable I worked at, they had a very similar policy. There was no, you know, so there was no escalation of pressure. There was no taking into account. So for me, this was all very normal behavior. And then when you started working with us and you started to explain, well, there are levels between zero and flogging the crap out of him. (laughs) And that was like where you sort of like where, and that's the one thing I've always gone back to as well. And that whether I'm working, you know, with the other horses or the dogs is always like, you know, go back to that escalation of pressure and, you know, actually give them time to think about things and take their needs into account, which is something that previously I hadn't had the opportunity to do or like that nobody had ever really even modelled to me before. Um, So that's been a big part of probably having him and owning him has been um, thinking about like how this affects him, not how it affects me. So to, and it's gotten me into trouble a little bit. I feel like, especially when it comes time to ride him is like, I still have that thing of he is in, he's like dic- the dictator, you know, and that, um, that comes down to like how even I work with the horses at the school is like, whether he'll let me or not, um, which is not always productive. Um, but that's the thing is just really like taking him into account when he says no, or if even if he says yes. Um, and that came down to like where I kept him or, you know, where I moved him to make sure that he, his best interests were taken care of forget mine (laughs) um but you know as long as he felt like safe and secure and um so like when I had to leave the first property it was really hard because that was also my stable place (laughs) 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 Um, but my emotionally stable place um and then when we had to leave there you know there was a big thing of like where I was going to put him where he would feel emotionally stable because you know for him it's because they're herd animals he had like he'd been there I think at that point for four years or something um 
yeah, it would have been four, four and a half years. So he had already, and he'd been the, he was the first horse there and he was the constant horse there. So he built a lot of connections with the stallion that was on the property. And so it was like tearing him away from his family as well. So then there was the question of like, how can I move him with his best interests, um, you know, at heart and end up moving him to a place where he knew the horses hoping that that would make a better transition. Um, but that's been basically the basis of me to be able to continue breathing. <laughs> what is your best interest? It's not about what my best interests are. You know, yes, would I like to compete in pony club and stuff like that? Yes, but, you know, you've got to give at the end of the day, you've got to give what is his in his best interest. <laughs> my second horse. <laughs> my second horse will not be so lucky. <laughs> So um, well, let's just talk a little bit about what you mean with escalation of pressure because it's probably not something that I talk too much about on the podcast. Um, but one of the things that we need to understand with our horses is that if we think we're going light, we can go lighter. We can ask yeah. quieter. We can ask softer. We can ask um, with less intimidation, with with more heart, with more gratitude, with more, you know, love, we can do it softer. So anytime we think that we are doing our lightest, quietest, most loving ask, we can find it in ourselves to go deeper and to go further. And that's kind of what our horses are always asking of us. Uh, But as you are saying, (laughs) there's... There's also boundaries required Yes. in that we still need to be able to tell our horses to do things without um, having to, you know, get to that level of punishment to get the cooperation from them. So there is, uh, and there's also understanding that level in the individual horse as well, like getting... Um, more intense with the pressure, escalating the pressure, getting into punishment leads to aggressive horses becoming more aggressive. Getting into that level with spooky horses, it leads to spooky horses becoming spookier. Getting into that level with stubborn, um, pushy horses makes those horses more stubborn and and more pushy so it's we're not talking about escalating pressure in a way that we're talking about escalating to punishment what we're talking about is where that balance is between love and boundaries in a healthy relationship and each horse interprets that differently so what is an appropriate ask for our draft horse at the school is going to scare the pants off of our little stock horse mare. She will think that she's in in trouble and we would never catch her again. So when you think you're asking light, go lighter and then find what your lightest aid is and can you, you know, maintain that level of like when I'm asking you to do something, like I need you to do it for the safety of yourself and myself. Yeah. Like how light can we get that result and they are still listening to us and then how light does that horse actually need it for them to feel safe, secure, connected and not like they're in trouble. But then also like with our heavier horses, 
you know, they do want a little bit more of assertion from us because they are so assertive themselves. So, you know, like Gunnar, one of our tests with Gunnar is can he drag you to food? Like <laughs> if he can if he can drag you to food, you're not allowed to take him anywhere near the road yeah. because then you're putting <laughs> yourself and him and the people on the road in, in trouble. So it's like fine it's such a, a fine balancing act to find and that's what we're talking about with that escalation of pressure is that Monique has only ever experienced the ask and then the punishment for not doing without the space to even understand what is being asked of you and so that is your model of training that has come through into being into riding and it's also very often taught model of training as well as like you know they need to respond within three seconds but they're not going to respond within three seconds if they don't understand what you've asked of them if they're not paying attention if they don't care about who you are and what you're trying to get them to do so there's um some subtleties to that understanding of escalation of pressure that is kind of getting to know the horse well enough to know how light you need to be and where you're you're getting too far into that state of pressure and you know some of one of the things that we do also is that if you are upping the pressure and it's not getting the response that you want you're going to stop before you tip them over threshold and say okay like I'm it's not a relationship pressure um leadership boundaries conversation that I'm having because increasing the pressure is not getting them to try harder this is a question about do they understand what I want can they do what I'm asking them to do you know you're digging in you it, if you're increasing pressure and you're not getting the answer, it means it's time to start troubleshooting different reasons why they're not. Um, because that's that's what pressure should do, is pressure should get more effort. And so if it's not achieving more effort, then we've either applied too much pressure and now we're scaring them, or um, we are needing to explain ourselves better or, or do change something maybe they're in pain maybe there's something that we need to look at and we need to address there and that is definitely you know a part that that can really get missed especially in the early stages of not like owning owning your own horse is that people will tell you that that horse is dangerous and it's being naughty and you have to force them into submission with pressure and, and mm. punishment and pressure can also look like a lot of different things like you know Fiddy experiences pressure just from me entering the paddock like that is enough to get him over threshold and over over hyper vigilant um pressure can look like just giving them eye contact when they feel intimidated by you pressure can be you know standing too close when they're giving you signals to where that distance should be around them pressure can look like you know trying to pat them and move your way down their body trying to pick their leg up pressure is we're not talking about pressure with you know using a whip and going hard at them with a whip even though that's like what you've been taught previously there's so many different um the idea of that now like even back then always got like not upset me but it always like made me you know alarm bells go off it's like I don't enjoy that but even now you know the way that that level would never even be reached in my mind because I feel like 
I know enough about it where I'm just like what there's an environmental thing or like a you know the horse have moods like we do which is again something that I wasn't taught like literally I remember one of my teachers with the earliest horses I ever like played with and worked with um this horse storm pushed me into a fence one day because he was deathly scared of dogs and he would like kill any dog that was near us and I went back up to the house to my teacher quite and like I also came from a Christian background which is like you know preach love and you know so this like answer from him really shocked me because it just didn't fit any of like the values that I thought a Christian teacher would like come up with but I went up going oh Storm loves me because he got me out of his way before he went to like go after their border collie and he basically said to me horses don't experience any other like animals do not experience any other emotions other than fight or flight there's no such thing as love there's no such thing as you know um connection they don't have any ability to feel they just have the ability to react and so now I'm like no that's completely and I I knew that then as well because I spent so much time just being with his horses and his dog and like I could do things with his horses and his dogs that they couldn't do and they lived with them I saw them like once a month um so that's like the that's the thing as well you know is that now I wouldn't even dream of (laughs) like picking up a whip to sort my issues out Mm. you know even when I like deal with the kids with like (laughs) rabbit (laughs) yeah even when I deal with the kids (laughs) that's in itself a learning curve (laughs) but like with rabbit you know he doesn't walk out of the arena and so like some of the kids will grab a whip and smack him on uh sorry out of the breezeway and some of the kids will like go and grab a whip and smack his bum and then you say well if you're walking and he feels uncomf- like he's not confident to follow you, but then you stop and slam your brakes on, you're not showing him. So, like, I can just easily walk him through. He doesn't stop for me. But, like, because I understand that and that's, like, where I understand his personality and I'm like, well, I'm safe to follow. Follow me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so there's, like, a couple of little things there, right? Um, you know, getting to – you would never dream of getting to that level with Munchie mm. now because you know that Munchie just comes back at you with that same yeah. energy. Uh, and then there's also this, like, your own emotional self-regulation that you have to take into training as well as, like, if you do feel, you know, the horses that you're working with are getting you frustrated, they're getting you over threshold and into, like, just, you know, getting you angry and getting you upset with them. It's being able to recognise that you don't want to take that out on them and removing yourself from that experience and, and that environment. Uh, and you know just taking the moment to reset yourself like find where your place of quiet is where your place of love is where your place of um you know confidence within your ability one of the things that we teach is you know not to emotionally engage in the argument with the horse like if your horse is arguing with you over something that you're asking them to do don't you know, engage emotionally in that and just, and this is the difference between conflict in relationships and healthy boundary setting is like healthy boundary setting is not getting emotional about the outcome or about the way that the horse is behaving. It's not assuming that the horse is this certain thing or 
um, you know, is doing this to punish you or to, you know, annoy you or to just be stubborn towards you. It's, you know, this is a horse that's trying to express its needs through its behaviours. The only way that it has to show how it's feeling and what it needs from us is through behaviours. If I allow these behaviours to rub me the wrong way and get me emotionally engaged in the argument, then we're just going to see escalation and conflict and that's where we get into dangerous territory with like how we're actually interacting with the horses so uh like you were talking about I think before we actually got on the podcast with the way that you're you work now and the training that you do and the dogs that you work with it's not the dogs it's not the horses that need training it's the humans Mm -hmm. like making sure that us as humans are not being triggered by what the horse or the dog is is doing and reacting emotionally to their behavior and assigning that they're like a bad or naughty or difficult or whatever you want to word you want to put onto them um you know that kind of animal but to just be able to take that step back maybe even remove yourself from this situation, recenter yourself so that you're coming from a responsive place of love, not a reactive place of just, you know, whatever you are. (laughs) And make sure that you do that little internal reset and then can move forward again without um, taking your own um, frustration and angst and overwhelm and stress and fear and whatever it is you're feeling back into that conversation because and that's part of having a healthy relationship is you know you, you need to be able to have the conversations without the emotions and that is so hard it's like so hard for all of us to do all of the time because we can be you know, so triggered by what we're seeing. And that is a, as much for the horse, it's a reflection of their experiences. For us, it's also a reflection of, of our experiences, how our horse responds to our ask is, and then how we respond to the way that they have responded to us is just such a play out of how we've been conditioned and how we have um, been in other relationships. And as you have said, how we've been modeled to behave Mm. in relationships. And a lot of the work that we end up having to do with the horses is self-reflection work for how we can show up better for them to be better leaders worth following and you know one of the situations where we really get tested is with horses because it can go sideways so quick it can be so stressful that we ourselves get into that fight or flight mode of just reacting to the like the situation that we're in and so if we aren't setting ourselves and our experiences up intentionally to have the skills and support that we need to move through potentially dangerous and potentially challenging situations that we put ourselves in with horses then that's where we have that relationship breakdown because we overface our horse or because we reacted poorly because our horse was you know (laughs) running at us trying to charge us or because we you know we took gunner out on the side of the road with somebody who can't doesn't have the strength to pull him up and so you know we our goals aren't this like 
glorious rainbows and unicorns experience <laughs> that we kind of come into when we first get our, our first horse like it's the actual relationship that plays out with a flight animal is such a a balancing act when the things that we want them to do is very scary to them and so if we're going to be putting them in those situations or they're going to you know have experienced trauma previous to us or if they're like changing heart like you know adjustment facilities regularly or if they're changing handlers and, and people all the time and her and they have to reintegrate and resettle and you know where is that foundation of safety that allows them to respond to those challenging situations that we're putting them into um, in a way that isn't us getting hurt and these mm -hmm. are like the confounding factors of horse training that is separate to actual like go into your horse and lunge it around the round yard and um you know make sure that your horse stops without walking over top yeah. of you like yeah they're they're your like training tools that you're going to be using and them in themselves are difficult to learn yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like the reason why you need to learn these things is because you then want to take yourself out on a trail ride where your horse is terrified of everything that it sees or you want to take your horse out into a competition where your horse is terrified of having other horses cantering around them or jumping towards them or you want to take your horse out to the beach where they're terrified of the waves crashing on them so we in our goals put ourselves and our horses into these situations that are very dangerous <laughs> and we do it with the idea of watching like McLeod's Daughters and Saddle Club and that kind of thing like it's just going to go super well for everybody involved <laughs> without yeah. the skills ourselves to actually manage our horses flight instinct and to give them the support and stability that they need to get through a challenging situation and a challenging environment so then we're you know we're watching these people on youtube and these other trainers and we're tra taking their tools and we're trying to implement them with our horse and you know sometimes some of them work right like some of the things that we do work and then you know things will happen with we'll try something else out and that doesn't work and it gets something that we really don't want to, <laughs> to be dealing with in our horse like oh I've really made a boo-boo doing that with this horse so um it's this is like you know if you if you do something wrong traditionally with your horse they don't respond well to to that ask then your horse likes submission it's dangerous and you need to push them through it push them through it means increasing pressure to punishment whereas coming from a connection-based ideology is recognizing that that tool just isn't effective within this like it might not even be the fact that that tool isn't effective um with this horse it might be effective like down the track when they're more educated or more secure or more connected or whatever but it can just be in this moment this tool is not appropriate for you and your horse and where the two of you are at together and so that's what we're looking at when we're, we're building a relationship and we're building a connection is we're hearing our horses tell us hey the way that you're talking to me is inappropriate the things that you're doing to me make me scared make me angry make me um anxious like whatever 
make them frustrated. But he like gets super frustrated when he's learning something new. <laughs> so just me. be, yeah, me too. I get so frustrated when I'm trying to do anything on the computer. It's just being able to give them that space to process their emotional response to the what you've asked them to do in the way that you've asked it of them and sometimes that means changing the way that you ask them and sometimes that means changing yourself a <laughs> yes. little bit and then being able to go back into that training session with like just a try again attitude like it it's really easy to see something fail or go sideways quick and then go this is me this is my fault I'm not good enough I need my horse needs a better rider, my horse needs a better handler. But quite often, and you know, I still get caught in that place as well. It just it more so means that you need to take yourself out, have that moment of reflection yeah. to figure out and do some you know, strategic thinking to see how you're going to put yourself back into that situation and create a positive outcome. Yeah. So this is kind of like where you are with munching now mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we can still get a right. little bit caught in that i'm not good enough like yes. I, I think it's you know inevitable that at some stage we're all gonna feel like we're not good enough no matter how much training we have because you can never fully have a perfectly functional non-hiccupy smooth relationship there's always like ebbs and flows of how you need to kind of sometimes pick up the slack and sometimes you need your horse to pick up the slack and how you're going to find that middle point where like everything kind of clicks, comes together for you and you're ready to move forward again. Yeah. Yeah. And not being so married to the outcome as well of what, you know, when and how many times I do that, not even just in an, an arena environment, but I'll go to a client's house and I'll be like, you know, the client will tell me a list of what they want to work with, work on and I'll be like, well, we're not doing any of that today. And some of that I'm making up on the spot. Like it's the same thing with the kids. You know, we had to explain this to them at the camp was I'm making decisions by the second. I'm not making them like, yes, I told you that this is how it's going to run in the morning. But then I go down there and I see like, well, these horses aren't gonna play the game with me today so like by the way you're all gonna stand here while I try not to get kicked and that's like I think a big part of the learning process has been I am very like highly strung and I'm very like I need it to be clear and concise and perfect and like I need it measured out and then go going in there and then having a horse who's like well today I'm not gonna cooperate <laughs> and on this day when you need me to cooperate I'm just gonna like give you the finger and like goodbye um, and so then you have to like, you know, take a walk to the porta potty or like, you know, something recenter and be like, it is not. And in those times, it's usually like, how am I reacting? That's like creating this, you know, and having going from having like one horse that I was solely responsible for only that horse's well-being and only that horse's emotional, you know, cup and whatever from going from that to like then. I think 11 horses or 10 horses or how many horses we have and then going like well now I not only have to deal with that guy's big energy but I've got to deal with all of your big energy as well <laughs> and like some days it just doesn't look how I imagine <laughs> some days I'm just like today we're just not gonna get this done you know um so that's been like the biggest I think like part of 
part of that is like learning to like okay what is me and what is you and you know it's okay today if like I came with grand ambitions to like ride for 45 minutes and instead all I do is like sit with this herd for 45 minutes instead like and not go home and beat myself up because like again coming from old school riding where it's like a good horseman a good carpenter never blames their tools like a good horseman never blames their horse it's always the rider's fault if your horse isn't And I guess like now having gone through this is like, yeah, it is my fault, but like, it's not solely my fault. Like usually it's my fault because I haven't read the signals. It's like, because I've been married to said outcome of like, I want this to happen. And now I like go in with more of a, okay, it's fine if it doesn't look, (laughs) it's fine if like we wrote this down and it didn't happen because they have their own feelings and their own emotions and their own like, um, their own emotions and their own like response to what's happening as well and there I feel like you know Gunnar's been really good for this where I went down there one day and I can't remember what frame of mind I was in but I was not in a good head space it was like towards the end of the year and I was like I'm just done with all of you if anyone puts a foot wrong I'm gonna like you know not use our <laughs> I'm gonna divert from our philosophy um, and he came down and um Usually, like, with Gunnar, I have a very good working relationship with him that's built on, like, play and trust and um, stuff like that. And so usually I'll open his paddock gate and I'll be like, come on, inside, we're going. And today he's like, I'm going to teach you a lesson because you have come down. And it was it was interesting because the thing that I was, like, chewing on in my head that was putting me in a bad mood was exactly, like, about how it was like I was having a conflict between boundaries which is where I feel safe I feel safe when I'm setting boundaries I don't uh, when it starts to get into like the heart space and the like you know trust and it is more so like the trust thing when it comes into like oh opening my heart and just trusting that everybody's gonna do what they're told and we're gonna have a good day that's where I start to get like but rules keep us safe and boundaries (laughs) like boundaries make things fun you know and I can control everyone and so he decided like he's like no no no, I'm gonna gonna teach you this today you know and I went down there and usually like I'm sort of lazy because I like my liberty so all I had was a bit of bailing twine I like slung it around his neck I'm like right get back into your paddock and he just took off and he's like nah and I've never lost this horse ever like I've never had him drag me and he's like no 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 and then I grabbed some mane because usually like that works he's like nope not today and basically I tried a bunch of different things short of actually like putting his halter on because I didn't have his halter I fashioned a halter out of somebody else's (laughs) lead rope that was down there and just and he would play along for like a step or two and then he's like no you still haven't learned the lesson and just drag me across the side and it was just this thing of like and it got to a point where I was like in his gate like literally nearly in tears like please god like just get in here and he's like right don't ever forget that like you handle me this way because I allow you to this has nothing to do with like that you're special or you have gotten to this certain level of education or you've fed me enough it's literally you are here because I'm allowing you to be here and I was like that is the lesson that I needed to learn on that day and that's something that like I think like because what I was chewing on is like these horses aren't listening to me and like 
I'm the boss and I'm like the dominant, I'm the dominant stallion down here on the dominant mare, like, and these horses are just like taking the literal Mickey out of this situation, you know, and he's like, and he's like, you know, do not forget. And the days that I've like forgotten that, he's very quick to like remind me when I see him drag a student or drag another person across and hear that like, you know, somebody else who's an adult and a competent human can't handle him either or is scared of him, you know, and it's because of that relationship. It has nothing to do with I'm, like, literally here because these horses are allowing me to be here, not because, like, I'm special or I've worked hard enough or I've studied enough or, like, whatever. It's literally, like, you know, just remember that, you know, that that is why you're here. You know, that's been the biggest, the best lesson has been like, you know, never get cocky because you'll find a horse. You know, and even when I've fallen off, it's been those times when I'm like, I'm so good at this. And then my horse is like, here, constant reminder, <laughs> you know, but that's not me. That's like, you know, it's like a, you got to shift your mentality. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, um, you know, we just kind of covered that in a previous episode of, like, does your horse respect you? And, you know, you, your idea of respect is going to be how respect has been modelled to you. And a lot of people can think respect is you do as you're told because mm-hmm. you are told and you do not ask questions. Yeah. Whereas, uh, and that is often, like, instilled through punishment and dictatorship. Whereas, like, when you, when we're working with the horses, it's not about respect of because I say so and pushing them through it. It's respect is earned from the way that you show up for them. Like, they, they aren't stupid. Like, they can see our character. They see our character better than we do. They see other people's character better than we do. Like, I've had, um, you know, multiple conversations about one of our students who is quite um, a handful and it's the horses love that person though they absolutely adore that person so it's not you know we can get caught up in in like our society of like what is a good person is based on like how easy an adult can handle them (laughs) whereas you know that's not character that's not harsh Mm. that doesn't show you the quality of their character is like they're you know not trying to kill themselves all the time by doing stupid things and you know the horses see that and judge that character so well and and so quickly they have a better idea of who we are than we have about ourselves like straight away and it's like proving to our horses that we are worthy of them following us and and listening to us and and doing what we ask them to do and that's you know that's what we've been talking about is that's like where you can get yourself in strife is like if you aren't somebody that your horse thinks is worth following and then you put yourself in a stupid situation with them that is where everybody is going to get hurt and so we need to make sure that we're really intentional about the scenarios that we're creating and that we're putting ourselves into and we're really intentional about how we're showing up for our horses so that if we do get ourselves in a sideways situation, we can get ourselves, our horse and everybody else around us out of it safely and in a way that we are still creating a positive experience mm-hmm. for ourselves and for our horse. This is like where it gets really hard. It's impossible to do that every single time. 
but it's like what we need to be thinking about is like yeah we have our goals of what we want to achieve with our horses but you know before we prioritize that goal we need to prioritize our horses experiences to make sure that each experience builds trust connection respect faith in us confidence in us and themselves um and then each situation kind of builds on on top of that to you know and that's that's what that connection is is that you keep going into these kind of more challenging scenarios and create a positive outcome from it and that's where that connection is built you get to know each other better and that's where you know horses can can you know push us to our edge as well because we can get ourselves into such stressful situations that we are in a reactive place and we have to be able to respond appropriately to create that confidence in our horse and if we're just like going sideways ourselves <laughs> and we're you know freaking out then our horses are gonna say well you're not a good leader I need to take the lead and it's when our horses take the lead that things go more sideways because they're not thinking about like their their problem solving is like run as fast as you can away from the thing that is kill <laughs> the thing that's like <laughs> and that sometimes means like they're just gonna run into a tree because they get into that blind flight or they're gonna run through a fence or they're gonna do run into a truck or something like that like they they make stupid decisions so it it really does come down to us to make sure that both us and our horses have the skills to implement within a training situation and any situation that we put ourselves into to make good choices that is going to create a better outcome on the other side a stronger connection more faith and confidence in each other yeah and I think like that was like one of the things that I struggled with I guess going from going back from having a horse that like obviously tried to kill me for feeding other horses first to then like when I first started at Equestrian Spirit it was okay because we had him separated in a paddock far away and so I realized that I couldn't actually work with these horses um if I didn't, because they weren't like traditional riding school horses when I first started there, they were still like pets that allowed people to <laughs> handle them. So there was like a time where I tried and I was like, I'm right, we are school horses and there's like a regiment here and there are boundaries and like this is how we respond to then like realizing that I couldn't have them if I wanted to keep their personalities you know and keep that curiosity and keep that the thing like the hardest thing about working in the very first school that I worked at was going from watching these horses that we would purchase that were pets and then watching them go through the process of just like slowly just not physically dying but just mentally just switching off because they were just machines they weren't used as we didn't honor them in that writing school as like they have a choice and they have you know feelings and things like that so that was like the hardest thing for me to watch was that that process of these horses coming in and being so happy to like see you and be with you and then like you just watch them we like you know day after day just come in and slowly lose a little bit of joy and you know and then I went back to that riding school a couple of years after I hadn't been there for a while you know and these horses that were that were you know lively just wanted to die essentially like they were sitting there like and so when I came to work with you it was like this thing of I really wanted to keep that you know I wanted to keep that spark and I wanted to keep that playful side and I wanted to you know like honor them and so that was easy having 
Comanche like away from from them because like he wasn't gonna punish me when when I because I was like haha well you're behind a gate and I don't have to handle you so you just stay there and then we integrated him into the herd and then like it switched again because I had I was taking my cues off of like who he said I could <laughs> socialize with and who was an acceptable person to like pat or like, you know, um, even work with in some cases. And so it started with Angel and April because they're all like, he sees me as a mayor. So they're also mayor. So that's okay. So I found that I could, you know, have a heart and it's, it's not with Comanche. Like, it's not that you can't handle another horse. It's you can't have a heart connection. Like the one time he's kicked me and he's copped me like properly was, um, one of my housemates was working with this horse and he's like old school cowboy, you know, really rough. And um, I decided one day that I was going to like open my heart to this <laughs> horse. And I, I had um, Comanche was tied up to like the side rail and I was brushing him and this horse kryptonite came up and like, you know, put his head over and I was like, I'm going to open my heart because I sensed that this was something this horse had never experienced. And I've opened my heart and it's a beautiful moment because no one could touch this horse and he's come and popped his nose on my like fist. As this has happened, Comanche's just swung and like copped me like, and I mean properly, one of um, my other housemate was watching and she goes, no, 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 he like lined you up and it was like, you do not get to connect emotionally. And so that obviously has had a big impact on like, you know, you don't get to. So that it was like learning that experience of like, okay, well, Angel is safe to like have an emotional connection with and like, okay, maybe try with April. All right, that's good. And then he became really great friends with like Phoenix. So it was like, okay, that's safe because he's got an emotional connection um, with them. So it was like really taking my cues off of how to like, you know, am I going to get clobbered today if I like, you know, choose to choke to my heart? But it's been really good because now I have managed to like, with most of the horses have a really good working relationship with them where it is like a balance of like bonding and boundaries if that makes sense <laughs> yeah so interesting right I think it's such an important perspective to have you know when like working in this school experience is stressful and hectic right like working with so many horses you really have to shape up very quickly it's a very different experience working one-on-one -on -one with your own horse mm. and you know it's even a very different experience again working one-on-one -on -one with somebody else's horse when you're trying to be part of her dynamics and be that like try and balance relationships with within a herd and still be somebody yeah. that they want to listen yes. to it's it's such a like it really stretches um you know what what you know and what you can do and what what you understand like it really shapes you up as a horse handler very quickly and to to your point of like having them work and keep their personalities like it's been really good to have you there with that as your value because it's something that I've come into the school with as well as like I don't want a school if the horses have to forfeit their love mm -hmm. of life to do the job. Yeah. And so that has been like the challenge of last year is can we have horses that have jobs, have 
to work, have to look after kids, have to look after beginners, still say, hey, I don't want to do this. Mm. I don't like this. I <laughs> am struggling at the moment to find my happy place. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it has been challenging because, you know, we have had to up the level of work. Like at the beginning of the year, it was kind of a little bit easier because they didn't have such a high workload. Mm. But towards the end of the year, you know, their workload was really getting close to, to their full workload that is expected of them. And, you know, throughout the year, there have been some hurdles to overcome with them with keeping that positive engagement with with humans and we've spoken a lot on the podcast of the different tactics that we've used to to manage and maintain it but that's you know it's just to show that it can be done like you can't you don't need to never ride your horse you don't need Mm -hmm. to never ask something of them to maintain a level of relationship and connection if anything you need to make that connection stronger. You need to make that relationship stronger anytime it comes time to ask more of them. So as like, you know, the workload increased with Phoenix, it's like, all right, I need to work with you more to like for for this, like more that I'm asking of you be something that you're willing to give and when it came time to you know do more with hunter it's like all right we've got some work to do to build his confidence to take that more Mm. under his belt when it came to asking you know more of angel there was a lot of um unwinding of certain resentments and issues that she had towards like saddles and bridles and and being ridden and it's the the rewiring of how they feel towards a certain thing first and foremost and then creating like a positive experience within that work environment like how do you make work fun for a horse (laughs) that is teaching somebody how to ride that's banging around on their back isn't able to hold themselves hold their balance isn't able to communicate clearly is losing their balance and smacking them in the mouth with a bit like how do you keep the horses lit up about yeah. doing <laughs> that kind of work it's a lot easier when it's just you and your horse and there was like a moment I think like in the middle of last year where I was just sort of you know I remember my old instructor talking to me about this at length when I first adopted my horse and she was saying to me um you know that a lot of the people at, at their riding school weren't there to actually learn and they didn't want to because when I started there it was a different philosophy they had a similar philosophy that you did which was like you know we're all going to take care of our horses and there's a lot from her that I've like carried through into like working at equestrian spirit but um there was like a moment where she just she's now retired but she was saying to me that you know it's hard for her as a trainer because these people just want to spend time on the horse they don't actually come to build a connection or ride like they come obviously solely just to ride they have no interest in even building their skills as a rider and so for her as a teacher she just gave up and I had a moment in the middle of the year where you know, shit hit the fan with one of the horses and it, you sit there and you go, well, maybe it is just better if we just 
cut off all of our emotional ties and like you're just now a robot and like because we like I was struggling to juggle the you know this thing of either you're yelling at kids to or like you know <laughs> loudly loudly dealing with children of like why we don't want you to pat the horses and why we don't want you to handle the horses in this way to save the horses but then you've got cranky kids who feel that they're not getting enough horse time and I sort of did have this moment of like is this even possible like can we actually do this you know and it's on those days that like I think it's easier the way that we do it because on those days like camp days where I'm having like a real crap time and I'm tired and like the kids are driving me nuts I just go and stand with Angel and I'm just like because she <laughs> she's there in the foxhole with me and she's got the exact same like oh, please god when is this over you know and I think if I didn't if you didn't have that like connection with these horses you'd just be like they're alone <laughs> you know and then no one's having a good time like I think the the best day was like one of the show team was tacking up in the afternoon and somehow Angel got loose and she came flying out the back. I was down with your mum picking Lantana and the back gate's open. We've got a fresh round bale here and she was just like had lost her head and the girl who'd lost her had also lost her head and came out and was like in a fit and she just didn't see anything else. She just saw me and she just came straight popped her head down like I need you now like you you have me on these days when you don't feel like it well I need you now and it was like such a nice experience because this horse highly food motivated could have gone down the back with the herd and instead like just saw me and was like right you're my safe space and I was like ah oh, now we're <laughs> you know so like yeah it is like I think for me a lot easier that they feel the emotions that we feel because like oh good we're not alone <laughs> we're not alone <laughs> I can like sit with you in your stable and tack you up and have you like when is this gonna be done and me go like yes I'm here with you <laughs> it's fine kindred spirits where some of the horses that just like lap it up I'm just like what is wrong with you <laughs> I can't connect with you today because <laughs> you have a bizarre relationship to this job but I think yeah it, it would be very different I don't think that I would survive in this industry if we didn't do it the way that we did it yeah you know? 100% for sure and it is you know when we do our stronger bond workshops <clears throat> it's been you know we do find food as like an entry-level conversation towards connection it's like you can be the person with the food that makes you the person that they want to look mm. to because they know they're going to get food but then and, and that's where things get challenging is there's only so much that food can motivate <laughs> like it, food isn't going to motivate them to do something that they're terrified of food mm. isn't going to motivate them to do something that is exhausting and hard for them mm. food isn't going to motivate them to um you know traverse a raging river <laughs> to get to the other side or something ridiculous it's the quality of the trust faith and confidence that our horse has built with us from becoming connected in our equestrian work with them and and that's where we can feel conflicted in our training when we're doing the traditional push them through it pressure them escalate pressure to punishment all of those situations aren't going to create the horse that when things go sideways they come to you mm -hmm. when things go sideways they're trying to keep you safe 
you know, when I think about the quality of relationship with Fiddy, I don't want to be the threat that he's protecting the other horses from. I want to be the person that he is protecting from the threat. And then if I can't be that person, like if he can't be that horse, I can be that person for him. So, you know, his value is in providing a safe space for others. And so I want to be that for him. I want him to be that for me. And that's like where the value in our relationship is. I don't even like really need to ride him (laughs) to have that experience now. And it's like just such a beautiful experience to have. I've had a similar experience with like April and Angel together, just cocooning you in that little place of love that they hold together and you you really, you feel it, right? And mm. like each horse that you work with, they create a different feeling in you. Like Gunner is really strong mm. and when you go in with him, you feel that strength and that's why Angel likes going in with him because it means that she can relax. Angel and April have like a really beautiful heart and they just like cocoon you in in their love and you know Phoenix we're still working on but I know that he's really playful Mm. it's just that that playful can be too much (laughs) for beginners so we are trying to find ways of how we can bring that playfulness out and those games out in him so that we can enjoy that aspect of his personality without it being dangerous to others so there is and these kinds of things are not questions that you need to ask yourself if it's you and your horse because the questions that you have to ask yourself is can I handle this (laughs) (laughs) and if the quality of your relationship with the horse is good enough that they don't want to hurt you and they actually do want to keep you safe then even if they do get a little bit carried away and hypervigilant, overstimulated, you can kind of bring it back and they're not going to actually hurt you. They, Like you said, they know. Mm. Like Fiddy has done it to me previously when I first started trying to work on connection work with him and he started to really soften. I was like, yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> this is so good. And then he double-barreled me in the thighs when I was feeding him. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Like, I thought we were doing so well. I thought we had such a relationship coming along. and It's, it's on the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's such a, like, a continual conversation around, like, opening your heart, setting boundaries, opening your heart, setting boundaries, opening your heart, setting boundaries. And then, you know, that connection evolves as you challenge each other and bring the best out in each in each other. And if they they want to hurt you, they can put you in hospital. They mm. can kill you. It's something that we do need to remember when we are handling them. And that, you know, gives even more reason to, like, why we want that connection mm. is we want our horses to try and keep us safe or to want to keep us safe themselves. We we want them, you know, the same way that they would protect each other in a herd. We want that protection from them. And if we're using high pressure, high punishment, highly antagonized by their behavior, then they don't reciprocate that. They're only 
and that that's like what we talk about with respect is like you have to show them your character you have to model to them how you want to be treated and a lot of the training tools that we're taught and that we have do not model that and so you want to be careful with like your demands and what you're going to expect of your horse and what you're going to tell them not only to not overface them but also like what damage is that ask doing to your relationship that is going to prevent you from being able to ask things of them down the track Mm -hmm. like if you're going to create the divide here and now on this ask and it can be such a small thing like they've walked ahead of you through the gate like are you going to turn around and punish them because you know that your horse isn't gonna isn't supposed to go over top of you to go through the gate or are you just going to very relaxed set some boundaries back them up say hey remember not to rush me through the gate don't go over the top of me through the gate so that then it's like picking your battles right Mm -hmm. it's like making sure that the conversations that you are having are appropriate to the situations and you know that's where you're going to lose your horse's trust is if you overreact or over reprimand or over you know kind of do your correction to a very basic (laughs) minimal thing that they have have done themselves it's got to make sense to them Mm. it's like the same with working with kids you know Sometimes you do need to pull them up on something, but it's got to make sense to them. And you can see it so quickly in their eyes when you've broken their trust. Mm. And then, you know, that little, like, little micro tear and trust compounds, which with each situation that you put yourself into with them, where you're asking something of them to the point that you then either have like a kid that is just completely shut down on you or overreacting or giving you outbursts or being out of control and silly. It's like we need to do micro trust building scenarios, not micro trust tearing scenarios so that, you know, a year, two years, three years, five years from now, we have that heart horse that we can like go across the paddocks with and, not like they're going to protect us when they find a snake not like dump us in vain (laughs) (laughs) if we go to the beach with them and a wave crashes on them they're going to protect us in that scenario not dump us in vain Mm -hmm. it's like the only time I ever used to be able to catch king was when I fell off and I always fell off because he'd throw me off because we were doing something stupid because I was a stupid teenager that we thought that I could herd kangaroos and do BMX tracks with him. Uh, but the only time that he would let me catch him without like being like perfect in my approach was after he had bucked me off. And he is like one of the few horses that I've ever had that when I fall off, he's still there. Like all the other horses mm. that I've fallen off are like, see ya, I'm going home. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that camaraderie that we're trying to build, it's not built in six weeks, six months, six years. It's like a mm. lifetime of what does each experience with this horse look like and how are you modelling your values towards them in a way that is building their respect in who you are, not demanding that they do what you tell them to do. Yeah, exactly. Like um, 
that's what I found with Comanche especially is that that was my goal you know my goal in watching all of these films was almost to become hoarse myself and like it's interesting because if you're down in the barn in the morning people will tell me I'm insane because I'll walk through horses that are fighting like with a bucket of feed in my hand so blase and I've had people go like one day you're gonna like they're gonna kill you but I have like the faith that I'm like integrated whether that's like delusional faith or but I think like that is like something that I try to work on as well though is you do have to sometimes like just live by the faith you know there are other days when I know that I'm not in a good headspace you'll see me with boots on and you'll see me be very clinical with and like correct in how I do things but that was like part of you know with going back to like you know shutting the horses down is like okay yes we'll say at the barn during camp you're catching this horse you're feeding this horse the rest of us are going down there and then I'll get down there and that comes down to you know I know that yeah I could probably have these kids feed these horses and all come out unscathed but that means I've got to stand there and be the bad guy and crack the whip and you know tell people to like like tell the horses because in I think the school environment it is still a little bit of that horse is what's going to damage you you know yeah. like so you do have to be like well if these kids are going in there I do have to be the bad guy in the horse's eyes when in reality I can take buckets down and and like walk through them and they just respect me because I have that like want to be integrated into the herd and then like you see other people like that situation that you got into where you know you nearly got kicked in the head because there was it was just like you know let's fix this problem but I think that that's where you know seeing somebody else do it it's all at the end of the day it's your relationship to that horse you know it's the same thing when you come to me with like issues about Comanche I'm like oh he's never like I don't know what you're talking about like he's fine I'd let my kids ride him or like my non-existent kids but um you know and then I hear that like he's headbutted somebody but it's their relationship with him that's not him being a shit that's like him that's their lack of like relationship with him on that day you yeah. know like in general um and so that's like the thing is there has to be like that you know in every situation I'm like how is my horse going to view me or the horses because I like now view all the horses as my horses <laughs> like to you I tried in the beginning I was like I'm going to give him special attention because yeah. he's my baby but you just you, you can't they don't think that way I don't think so yeah. Um, that was the thing and now I view them all as like if I do this with them how is that going to like how are they going to see me at the end of the day am yeah. I still going to be that safe space am I still going to be that you know like place or am I going to push them through this or do this with them for my ego or for my like you know whatever it is my needs or whatever and then have them like lose that you know and that's like for me the best times I mean when it's your own horse as well like I had a time where somebody came onto the property and I so the first adjustment property changed hands and there was a guy that came and was like in and I was like emotionally attached to this place so my emotions were high and this guy came down and then I realized he was the new owner of the property and just the whole way the property changed hands was very traumatic um <laughs> to say the least for me because I was also integrated into their family um and so it was like a little bit traumatic and I had him by the lead rope 
and this guy came down and then like told me that he was the new owner and obviously like I started to cry and like get very insecure about like oh my god what does this mean and so Comanche took it upon himself to like get between me and Stacy and like push him away and like um really like gave him a hard time and um and it feels good because it's like well I'm gonna protect you now um and stuff like, and that's like what I chase I don't care like if I ever win a, you know, if I ever win a ribbon, you know, I don't care about that. I care at the end of the day that like, I mean, in certain situations, we don't want him eating the new owner of the property, but like, you know, it was a very, on one hand, like you can't do this because these people don't mean us harm, but he was in tune enough to like, mum doesn't like this situation. And, you know, and that is part of a double-edged sword because then I've gone into situations with him where, he's been too reactive like I had somebody try to help me mount him one day on a trail ride and he tried to take chunks out of this guy because I was nervous and he just assumed that it was this thing that was causing the problem so don't worry mum I'll sort it I'm like you're the one causing the problem you know so <laughs> but that's like the I think at the end of the day you know is this decision that I make going to damage that relationship or is it going to you know, because having to have built that relationship in the first place from my perspective was difficult, you know, and every time I've moved him, like this is what we're saying before the podcast is me going, I don't think I have a good relationship with him because of circumstances that have caused him to have to move and like have to, even as far as like um, we sent the horse up to Mount Walker and I volunteered him to go by himself last and then spent the whole journey up there like nervous that they weren't going to accept him when he got up there and like you know because I and then in my head I was like did you make the best choice for him because he probably would have preferred to go with them and then it didn't matter anyway because he had enough of a bond with them that they came back and you know and then I felt better because I was like ah two hours being by yourself hasn't broken into smithereens like so yeah I think that that's the thing is like that's where I like try to to be in that space of like is and that comes I guess from your perspective as my boss like at the detriment of the kids sometimes it's a happy medium (laughs) you've got to find that happy medium yeah so definitely a very valid point um like a caveat to creating connection-based relationships with our horses one of the reasons why people aren't for it is because then you know their behavior is based on their relationship with you so if it ever comes time that you need to sell or or move them on they're not necessarily going to behave the same way but to be honest like it doesn't really matter like every time you move a horse on they have to reintegrate they have to find their safe place within the new herd the new environment and so if you're trying to stay like emotionally cut from that experience because you know that at some stage you're going they're going to have to learn how to be with somebody else Mm. like you're almost (laughs) doing more damage in showing them that humans don't have an ability Mm. to interact with them than if you were able to show them that humans can emotionally interact with you and if I if it does come time to move you on you can create a new relationship in that new environment Mm. um otherwise yeah you do have horses that are shut down and so that is you know whenever I take on a new student what we talk about is the honeymoon phase in, into that first year. It's like if you take a new horse on, 
you're going to have to go through the emotional unpacking phase. So, you know, your horse might be perfectly behaved for the first week, for the first month, for the first three months. But by the time you get to that year of being with that horse, you are going to have seen all of the emotions that it that horse has ignored and has been pushed through to do the work because they're going to bring that emotional baggage into that new riding experience with you. And then you have two choices. You can either push them through it again and make them tell them that they're not allowed to feel that way mm. or you can do the connection work and you can you know say your emotional response to my ask is valid this is how we can make it better this is how we can you know make this experience more positive for you and then you know then you do you see the aged horses that know how to look after their riders you know, you see mature horses take on beginners and, and novice riders and they don't know what they're doing and that horse has the confidence to look after them. And that's because the horse has had positive experiences with owners previous to them. It's not because they've been pushed, forced, bullied through pushed to suppress what they're feeling and told that what they're experiencing isn't valid because the horses that haven't done that, they are like 15 and unrideable. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you see the mature aged horses that you cannot approach because the experiences that they have had with um, humans hasn't been positive. And so they're like, I don't want anything to do with you because every experience that I've had previous to this has just been being bullied mm -hmm. into submission. And so, you know, it is one caveat to say like that this horse is only this way because it's with me. Mm -hmm. And so that's like also what you were talking about with the kids is like there is the behavioural management skills that is required for when the relationship isn't there, when the quality of connection isn't there. Like before you build that secure attachment, the psychological safety, the trust, faith and confidence, you do need to have the behavioural management skills mm. to kind of shape them and model to them what is appropriate interaction with humans. And so when we have the kids there and they're all going out at feed time and the horses are silly because it is feed time, we need those behavioural management skills because as we did see at, was it the last camp? <laughs> yeah, the last, last camp. camp <laughs> is that if those behavioural management strategies aren't implemented, it is unsafe and that is mm. where I nearly got kicked in the head and that is that was lack of experience on the um the stable hand not you that might mm. Maddie. <laughs> lack of experience we love you Maddie um, but it was also lack of clear thinking on mm. my behalf to put Maddie in that situation and then have to go in and resolve, resolve that situation it was also though like you know, I had already explained that to her when she, but she was so excited. So like, then it comes into like, well, do I let you go out into this situation that I know from here where I'm standing is not going to end well, but she was like, you know, 
some people you just they have to learn it that way yeah <laughs> but I think everybody has to learn it that way that's been the biggest I think like change in me in terms of you know like with now we brought her into this but with Maddie was like when she had an experience with Comanche and she came up to me she goes I'm doing emotional connection work with him now and back when I first bought him if you wanted to brush him I'd be so like <laughs> don't he's because I was scared that like that bond that I'd built and uh, it, no it comes from a purely selfish place that I was afraid that like he would like somebody better than me you know and so then like I moved him to the next place and like I would always let people handle him but always like with supervision and then um moved him to the next place and like it was so busy and there was most people had their own horses so it was a different thing but then coming into this school environment I feel like that's where I've grown is that thing of he's got to have I can't be there and go you're not allowed to like because she needs to and like you need to like you you're a different kettlefish because you worked with him from day dot essentially you know but that is the thing is now like I'm like wanting to push him more into not necessarily like become a full-time school horse, but I want him to have those skills and I want him to build those connections so that he feels safe if something happens to me or like if I go away for a while that he's not well where like I remember moving him from France, which was the first place that we had him, you know, my friend who had handled him plenty, um, I had my car and she was putting him on the float. She couldn't even get him down the driveway. And this was somebody who had never had an issue handling him before, but because I wasn't with them, you know, it was like all of a sudden, and he lost it in a big way, like not in a little, you know, not in a little polite way. Like he was calling for me and she was crying. I was crying and, she, and I was crying because we were leaving. Like the reason why I had my car up there is because I was packing the last of my stuff, but and I was like, you've got to put him on the float because I'm going to be a mess. And then she's crying because we're all <laughs> emotional. And then I realized like, so that's been the biggest thing coming into the school has been like, it is safe. And I guess maybe that's the environment that I feel now is like, it is safe for you to have connections outside. Because I was always like, if I died, you'd have to take him. <laughs> like, there's nobody else. Like, there is nobody else that I would trust him with because he is like, such a big personality where now I'm like okay I want to get it to a point where I, where he's not the main stressor of having the kids you know interacting and like I want him to get to a place where we're all like oh it's fine if if somebody wants to take bring him up and brush him or if someone wants to do something with him it's not like a, oh my god how's he gonna react so that's come from like me feeling safe enough to go I don't need you to be we don't need to be each other's every, you know, and that came with like bef the place I moved him before that I think that's where it hit me is because every other place I've moved him has been like, yes, for his best interest, how is he going to, and it comes from, you know, this is why they say never rescue your first horse because you come at it from a place of, you know, he's, he has seen instability and he has seen abuse. And I guess that mirrored my own self at that time um and so that's probably why we've stuck together for so long and like made like inadvertently made him everything to me because like he was the only stable thing that I had going at that time you know and so when we moved him when I moved him from I lived with him for a bit um and then I moved again and that was the first place that I had no choice like there was no like can I move him somewhere where he'll know the horses or um you know something like that it was a quick you know within 24 hours had to have him out um and I cried and like 
can't remember if I've said this already, but I was like crying, leaving him there because I was like, oh my God, he thinks I've sold him. It wasn't because like, I knew I was coming back. I knew I had to come feed him and whatever. But in his mind, I was like, holy moly, this is the first time that he's had to deal with like a completely new person and a completely new environment with, I don't think there was other horses on that property when I dropped him off. It was just, and I was like, I've abandoned him. So now I'm like, I've been working on that in a big way of like, it is safe. And I guess because he's got that herd now, I feel like safer in going, you know, like, okay, we can let go a little bit and you can have other people without like going, you did connection work and that's my pony, you know? the end of the day has been like yes it's okay for you to go out and make <laughs> friends <laughs> with other people and you know cut their apron strings a little bit <laughs> which is so funny because like the problem that you had just finished describing is like him n- not feeling safe to make friends with other people I think it's like me not feeling safe with him <laughs> you know it has nothing to do with him it's like me not feeling safe that he like will make friends and you Still know like and, and yeah and it goes back to that thing of like am I enough you know yeah. because there is going to be somebody out there you know I learned this with Zodi when you were away and I went through this like walk through the desert and I was <laughs> down there with Zodi and I was like life is so easy with Fiddy and I realized just because Fiddy is the one thing like the one horse without getting emotional is like the one horse in my life that has just nope we're gonna get emotional <laughs> has just accepted me for who I am like at where I am at and then I was like with Zodi Zodi is like around me really highly strong can't breathe he's essentially like mirroring how I feel and I remember I was like going down there and I'm like got to breathe and how would this look if I was on vacation and how can I open my heart up and I remember like trying to pry the armor like loose and I was like having this moment and he like stayed with me through the moment and he's like no no no, come on I'll stay and then I remember going back upstairs and going why couldn't I just open up like why is it so easy with Fiddy and why is it like so difficult with Zodi who realistically would you would expect to accept me a lot easier than Fiddy would and I realized it's like because I'm not enough like what if I'm not enough what if I show to him that like actually I have insecurities and I have doubts and I have where Comanche is such a huge personality that that never really he's big and ugly enough to take care of himself where Zodi is like <laughs> so like little and fragile that you're like one wrong move I'm scared that I'm gonna break you or, like with without being able to repair that you know and yeah. I think that that's that's always the fear is like am I enough you know am I enough for this you know like that's why Angel when she validated me by like running down that's a huge validation it's the same thing when like someone said to me when we took the horses to Mount Walker I had my phone in one hand trying to edit video and I had Gunner in the other and the the girl that was walking behind me goes, how are you possibly like doing this with him? You know, and he put his head down, take a thing. And I just like, come on, mate, we're going. And I was like, that's hugely validating because if I gave him to her, (laughs) different story, you know, so that's like, but it is all me at the end of the day. Like it's really nothing. We can blame our problems on our horses, but if we don't fix ourselves, you know, like that, and that's what it is, like, and I think that is the fear, like, you've nailed it, is like, am I enough? Because is there a person, especially if you look at someone, you know, like Maddie, who is in love with the sport and, like, you know, is so passionate about it, and I've, like, lost that, not lost it a little bit, but it's not as, like, you know, I don't have the need to go out and do it. If I don't ride for a month, well, it's okay. You know, where I look at her and I'm like, oh, well, what if she, like, 
brings that element that I've lost, you know, and then that's what he's looking for. And so it's like, it's okay. I'm still accepted. Maybe the other safety factor is like, I can be accepted by a different horse in a different paddock where before like, that wasn't a thing. I don't know what the security blanket is here, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like it is that, that has been, I think my biggest hurdle is like, you know, I can be enough and I can just like, he can love me and other people yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's room in our heart, there's heart space for that, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure, definitely. <laughs> we, we are going to uh, go through all of this with, with Maddie as well. No. But, <laughs> um, you know, part of it is when you're only two years in, there's still a lot of naivety to mm. just how much hard work, sacrifice and, you know, giving up on certain things is involved with the sport. Um, you know, there's been some really big choices that I've made in, in my life, like choosing not to travel, mm. um, you know, and different things. Like once, once it is your horse, your life revolves around that then because you know it's okay if you have your horse on adjustment you might be able to have a little holiday or yeah. whatnot but if it's a horse in in your backyard then just picking up and having a weekend or even you, just getting sick yeah like when I when I was living with him like unless you have a support system which like I have to say I did you know my housemates were supportive in that to a point you know um, were extremely supportive of, of days like when I was really sick they would step up and feed him so he never went hungry but I was like if I live by myself I have to get out of bed you know I have to like it doesn't matter how sick I am it doesn't matter how many bones I break like you've got to get up and like feed him because he can't feed himself yeah you know so that is like the difference I guess between there's there's a naivety to the sacrifices that and it's those kinds of times where you know, you would choose them again and again mm. and that, you know, that is your passion there is that, like, you are choosing to keep working with him <laughs> and that you are choosing to feed him when you're sick yeah. and broken and, you know, that, that it's, like, it's really stretching where your passion is and it's, you know, horses aren't something that you can just pick up and put down. They're mm. like a daily investment of time, energy and, and love. Mm. And the people who aren't as passionate about, like you need to yeah. start <laughs> with like an over-the-top level of yeah. passion and excitement and love for the sport yeah. because if you don't and you get to, you know, me 30 years <laughs> in and you have to keep making that choice every day to get up and do the work, get up and do the work, like if you don't have something to come back to, which is the quality mm. of the connection and the love for the horses and, you know, getting to see them shine for who they are and not who they're conditioned to be like that is what I love about horses mm -hmm. and that's what motivates me every day um to to keep doing the work with them and 
yeah you've got to even though it's not a fresh love and a fresh passion mm. like some days it's like Ugh, <laughs> why why do we have horses like especially yeah. that moment when we're trying to dig one turn around do fencing <laughs> on our holidays and like, oh my fencing God. the day before the holiday <laughs> camp you're like why why do we do but we this? have to for the horse's well-being <laughs> yeah. mental and physical so that, you know, it does sap some of the, that fresh, naive love and excitement for the sport, like that just the daily grind of working with them. But it's it's like a different level of passion yeah. within itself that you're still here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Quit. Yeah. I did the math once and I was like, if I never bought that horse, like I could have owned my own home outright by now. Like I could be, you know, like I have other family members that just pick up when they want to and go and move overseas. And it's like that is not an option for me because, like, <laughs> like I've got com- like other than adult commitments, but you're like the sole commitment to this animal and like the animals that he lives with is like you know that is in itself you know yes I I don't ride yeah Yeah. a choice that you have to make every day because like every day you could just be like I'm done with this like I give up moving him on I don't need to be here in the grind every day your passion is inspiring <laughs> <Yes>. your choice <laughs> to go down and my insanity I'm not sure which of this one. we all have to be a little bit crazy to have horses in our life that's that crazy horse girl energy <laughs> uh, so it's such a good conversation really loved having you on the podcast yeah, and sharing fun. your experience with horses and then a little bit with the school uh, um and so you kind of do this work with the dogs right yeah yeah transfers surprisingly easily (laughs) onto the dogs as well so um yeah working with the dogs and mainly with their owners because it's it's the exact same thing you know some behavioral skills required oh yeah and then the rest is like don't get angry about this (laughs) don't get angry about that and also like you there is like a little bit of a switch because you're dealing from a a a prey animal to a predator so like there is like a a little bit of a change you know but which is what I've found funny talking to you and like to Robin is well I can't deal with my dogs and I'm like but it's the same thing but then I realize like it's there is a different you know you do things slightly differently because you're dealing with an animal whose first instinct which is I guess why I find it easy because Comanche's first instinct is also to rip a head off. So like, you know, he's going to like, I remember riding him and him like trying to attack a car whilst I was on him because the car was like tailgating us and he didn't kick out it. He like turned and I was like, this is why I work with dogs so easily because I own like a ginormous, like aggressive, you know, an aggressive six foot dog, you know. It's like, so yeah, definitely it is like the same thing with the dogs as well. Yeah. So um, I'll put the links into uh, the show notes for following um, Monique's work with the dogs, which is set pretty training. Um, and I think we probably need to go through these conversations together again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's only been an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes of us talking. So if you're still here listening, yeah, thank you. congratulations. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no doubt the same level of conversation is going to be had with Manny and then Sarah is going to do Ooh, a conversation yay. with me. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, and then we're going to do Sarah's experience with that, like, overcoming what it, what, like, you know, can be conflicted in even just a relationship with a horse, mm. right? Is like, you know, she went from her heart horse to, like, you know, a horse that she didn't know and overcoming that internal conflict within herself. So that will be a fun conversation as well. And I'm sure she will pull out some really <laughs> interesting stories from me in the process. So <laughs> all fun podcasts to get excited about. And here, I think like one of somebody that I was talking to recently it's like I really like listening to your podcast because it normalizes the experience and how difficult it is and the challenges that everybody goes through. It's like it's not like just hard for you. <laughs> it is. That's what I like cling to when I'm like watching the show team prep and like ride and I'm sitting here like I really want to but I can't. I'm like it's right I'm not alone. There are people on the podcast. There are people on the Facebook page. Like we've all felt this way. Yeah it gets so much like it's so it's like I've made it easy for the show team by doing all well and plus previous to that yeah. like not like I've only done yeah. the last year but yeah, you know, having a having lease leasing a horse to do the work on and go out and compete and show is so much easier than putting the miles in, mm. clocking the K's up, like yeah, getting the confidence, like, you know, all those kinds of things. I think it probably took me and King twelve months to be show ready. Mm. And I had competed for like five years before that. And there was like a year of us just not competing purely because he was trying to buck me off every single time I rode him. And then, you know, I didn't, I think it took maybe three years to get Lad ready to compete because he was green as green. Mm. And so, you know, he was also trying to kill me <laughs> every time I rode. It's just like as I get older, I just less want to be killed by a horse yes. <laughs> see that's where I'm at as well I'm like this could potentially hurt me no thank you yeah. so it's like if we can go about it a different way yeah. we like can listen to them say hey like if you don't listen to me in this moment I'm gonna start bucking yeah like back off or you know, it's okay to hear our horses tell us that they're not coping, that they don't understand, that they can't do it, that they need a break, and to just kind of take a moment, not emotionally engage in that conflict and reroute. Yeah. Try again. It's okay. I've done it numerous, like so many times. It's easier when it's somebody else's, like we were talking about <laughs> yeah. this before. It's like, you know, one of our mantras, because we've been working together for so long, is not my monkey, not my yeah. circus. Yeah. It's a lot harder when it is your monkey yeah. and it is your circus yeah. to try and, like, wrangle the circus in and keep it all going in the one direction. Especially when the circus gets bigger. Yeah. Like, one more we'll circus, okay, two more circus, starting to get complex, like, they now are herd bound yeah. and they don't want to be separate from yeah. each other. Five horse circus, you're like, okay, now I have to find where I fit yeah. into this five horse circus that I only spend like a couple of hours <laughs> with a week yeah. and they spend like every day, all day, every day with each other. So, you know, when it is your monkey and it is your circus, it is 
a lot more harder. complicated and yeah. a lot harder. So just like what we what we try to do is, you know, have the light that shines down the tunnel for you towards the next goal. Mm. And that goal we're trying to get you there strategically with thought out lesson plans um, that when you get there, you're in a better place in your relationship, not in a worse place, like the wedge hasn't driven in harder. And I think that it's fairly safe to say that mm. although that experience has been very challenging for you because you have had such a difficult horse, like each challenge has brought the two of you so close yeah. together now <laughs> that you're starting to feel safe with like having space yeah. and allowing other relationships to happen between you and other horses. Yeah, I always like think about, you know, especially going back to that, like, well, it is the longest six months of, you know, anyone's life. It was that thing of, I think I had this with you in a lesson was, you know, um, if I wouldn't be the person I, I am today if I had have had a different horse. Like if I had have bought like a push button pony that knew everything, you know, I definitely, I mean, maybe like, you know, it goes back to something you said, which is that everyone comes into your life for a reason. So maybe we would have crossed paths somewhere else. But like, I think from just even just a personal perspective, like, regardless of my ability to deal with horses or dogs or whatever, you know, just from a personal perspective of dealing with like humans now, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I have that, like, I have the tools from like working with you and like working with him to like go, okay, I don't have to react to this. And like, how are they, you know? So I think that that's the thing. If I had have gotten an easier, I would have been bored. I yeah. think I would have left this, <laughs> I would have left the sport ages yeah. ago. It's been like, I have peaked guys where like, you know, this way you're just like every week. Well, Will we be able to canter this week? Who knows? <laughs> you know, will we able to be able to mount you this week? Like so Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that was the game changer for me as well and, and my experience with King is um and and the part that I love seeing in horses the most and I love like our students finding mm. as well is like when you get when the horse starts to kind of unravel its conditioning and it's like default mechanisms and they start to blossom in who they truly are in their true experience. It's like so magical and it, it almost like is why we get so obsessed with the sport is like we don't get this level of connection with humans a lot of the time. No, yeah. It's like there's always a superficial facade of self-protection of like, you know, look at the things that I have or look mm. at like these other things because I'm not good enough for you to like me yeah. or who I am. <laughs> and so we have to like have the things and have the brands and have the things that people are going to lust over so that that like gives us some validity within that relationship. But it's like recognizing your worth and your value to others. And I think horses are a beautiful gift mm. if we open ourselves to it because they do see us for our good our bad and our ugly and as much as we think that we're training them yeah, they're, <laughs> they're actually like teaching us how not to put the face on yeah. and how to take the armor off and how to like 
be there in that moment with another being from a place of vulnerability being from our heart mm. rather than feeling like we have to put the armor up on suit up because this person is going to rip us to shreds with like just a backhand flippant comment <laughs> which also happens yes. <laughs> <laughs> armor up guys we've got to go talk to people yeah. <laughs> literally <laughs> Uh, so good to have you here chatting with us and thank you to everybody who is listening and has stuck around Uh, thank you until next time happy trails If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you. If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking they can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with flights and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, you will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you. Especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience, building a connection with your horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners, no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma triggering training methods, register for our new training today at www.equestriummovement.com forward slash connection. And I will uncover the three big mistakes you might be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.